Open your Bibles, if you would, first to Isaiah 7, 14. And then put your finger in Matthew chapter 1. And then put your finger in Luke chapter 2. So, first of all, Isaiah 7, 14. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Luke told me I couldn't move today. Well, it wasn't him telling me that, but my battery died. So, i got to stick to my notes instead of wandering around now. So... It's going to take me a little getting used to this, eh? So, my. The name of the message is The Birth of Christ. Uh, so let's again turn to Isaiah 7, 14, Matthew chapter 1, and Luke chapter 2. So the first verse we're going to read is, is Isaiah 7, 14, which says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now we've looked at in the past that Emmanuel means God with us. And we looked at three weeks ago, yeah, three weeks ago, we looked at ten prophecies of the Messiah. <clears throat> and that's what this is. This is a prophecy of the Messiah, that he would be born of a virgin, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1, and we'll read verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. The name of the message, again, is the birth of Christ. Birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. So before they had intimate relations, right? She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Well, this is a fulfillment of what we just read in Isaiah, right? Where it said, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Well, how did she conceive? By the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, now look at Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. He didn't want people to say, look at Mary. He was minded to put her away privately. He, he, he was going to put her away privately so that people wouldn't say, well, they had a child before they were even married. But while he thought on these things, so he was pondering these things like any man would, right? You find out your wife who you haven't had relationships with is, is pregnant. What man wouldn't think, well, uh, right? It's natural. But while he thought on these things, look at this. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So he has no, he has no human father. Because the seed comes from the father, right? Uh, my, my dad and, and your dad, the seed came from him and, and, and joined with the egg. And, right? So our, we, can, we can trace our lineage by a human father. Christ didn't have a human father. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called, he's called the seed of the woman. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. It's a, this is a miraculous birth. And she shall bring forth a son. And look at this. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Look at this marvelous portion here. For he shall 
save his people from their sins. It's not he might, or he's going to try. That's called a hinge word. You've heard me say, I like these hinge words, these little words. Big doors swing on, big doors swing on little hinges, don't they? Little hinge, a big, huge door will swing on that. This is a hinge word right here, that word shall. That's a hinge word, that's beautiful. It's not maybe, he shall save his people from their sins. Well, no wonder we can say hallelujah to that, can't we? That's wonderful. That's good news for sinners. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, which, which we just read, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So Christ is God in the flesh. He's God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him his wife, took unto him his wife. So he, he married her. And you, look at this, they didn't have relationships until after the child was born. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus, just as the angel said. My, oh my. Now look at Luke chapter 2. And here we get a little history lesson at the very beginning here. Caesar Augustus said that all the world shall be taxed. Now, now, you ever hear people say, well, John 3.16 says Christ died for all the world, right? And people grab a hold of that, and they won't let go. Well, do you know Rome considered their empire the world? Everybody else was just barbarians, and I'm listening to several books on Roman legions right now, and fictional books, but they bring forth the fact that they just looked at the Gauls and the Celts, who we are all who we are all probably descendants of, is just barbarians. Anybody outside the empire of Rome were just barbarians in the Romans' eyes. So it says here, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the, the world should be taxed. The known world of Rome. The provinces, anything they had control of should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was the governor of Syria. Now, look at how God is, by his sovereign grace, going to move Mary to Bethlehem, where she be born, where Christ will be born, just as the prophets prophesied. Oh, my. Oh, he just, he just moves things around a little bit. This guy's thinking, oh, I'm going to tax the whole world, the whole Roman world. Well, it's all by God's decree. The, hands of the, the heart of the king is what? in the Lord's hands, and he turns it like water, right? He turns it like leaders of this world, just puppets in our God's hands. He, he turns them to whatever he pleases to turn them to. He's in control. He's God. The real God of the Bible is in full control. And all went to be taxed, everyone, into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. They were in Galilee. Out of the city of Nazareth, they, they were in Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So they went back to the place where their house and lineage was. Wow. People say, well, boy, just chance. They, they had a big old thing there where they taxed, and just chance. No, it's all ordained by God. There's no chance. There's no luck. This is ordained by God that this should happen. He moved on that leader to tax the Roman world so that, his, so that his son, the word of God, 
would be born in Bethlehem, just as was prophesied in the Old Testament. Now look at this. Mary's espoused is a spouse wife, but she's great with child. She's ready to give birth. Now she's got to take a donkey from there, from Galilee, all the way to Bethlehem. Yep. And God's going to make sure she doesn't have that child. Because when the fullness of time was come, right? Do you know that you and I were born into this world at God's appointed time? And do you know that we're going to die and leave this world at God's appointed time? And not a second before, not a second. Your, your birth, your birth was not by chance. It was ordained by God. And that's true of every human being, saved or lost. And then again, our, again our, and our time to leave this world is appointed by God. And we will not live a second longer than what God's appointed. So, she was great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Well, the, the fullness of time had come, right? That's why I had Bri Brother Brian read that portion in Galatians. The fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son in the fullness of time. And he was born, Christ was born the exact second that he was supposed to be born. That was all planned and purposed by God. My, it's incredible. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was pondering on the day when Christ was born, there was no doubt many other children born, right? All kinds of other children born on that day. When you consider the whole world, there was all kinds of other kids born in that day. Right? All kinds more kids. But there was no child born like this child. There was no child born like this child. Every other child had a, had a father, a human father. But Christ is the seed of the woman. Oh my. And think of this. This child who's born, whose name is Jesus... I want us to ponder this. He's not other than the ancient of days. He's not other than God who dwells in everlasting. That's who saved my soul. God saved me. And God, God will save anyone who comes to him by faith. But I can stand here and tell you God saved me. I was lost. I had no care, as I said earlier in Sunday school. I just was living my life the way I wanted to live my life, and God interrupted my life. Praise God he did. Praise God. And he saved my soul. And you know why I was born again of the Holy Spirit? And I didn't even know this. Christ redeemed me 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. He bought and paid my, for my soul. He obtained eternal redemption for us. For, for us, or for, for, but as a believer, I can say for me. My, I didn't know. I didn't know he did that. I didn't know as I was cursing his name that, that, that he was going to save me. 
by his grace. And he saved one who just spat out his name like it was nothing. And now, now the tongue that once cursed him is turned to praise him? That's God's amazing grace. I'll tell you that. That's amazing grace. <laughs> and God himself, Emmanuel, saved my soul. Oh my. Look at what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Look at this. And without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles when Paul went on his missionary journey he preached Christ when the apostles had the opportunity to proclaim the gospel they preached Christ they didn't mess around with a with hundred ways to be a better Christian or the best life for you now? He didn't mess around with that stuff. He just preached Christ, the only Savior of sinners. That's good news. Don't tell me what I have to do. Tell me what Christ has done for me. Oh, my. And then look at it. It says, believed on in the world. And he's still, the Holy Spirit's still gathering in his sheep, isn't he? The lost sheep. He's still gathering them in. He hasn't stopped. Believed on in the world. We're believers. But at that time, the, well, we looked at the Galatian church. Believed on in the world and received up into glory. He died. He, he was born. He went to the cross. He died. And three days later, by the power of God, the same power that regenerates a lost sinner, the same power that regenerated you and I as believers is the same power that raised Christ from the grave. Imagine that. That's incredible. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And back in Matthew 121, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. That's, that's cause for rejoicing. There's no doubt. And he did. The scripture says he obtained eternal redemption for us. That's the marvel of sovereign grace. You know, I, I, I went into religion before the, before the Lord saved my soul, but that, again, was in my 30s. I, I went into religion. I went from the frying pan to the fire. My goodness. And then the Lord, by his grace, saved my soul. I was trying to work my way to heaven, trying to do this and that, trying to, oh, I got to read my Bible. reading though and I, I, I was set free by brother Henry Mahan when he said even if you read a few verses with understanding each day it's better than reading five to ten chapters with no understanding at all and, and prayer is not a duty we get to pray isn't that wonderful in religion I remember Vicky, and you guys are going to laugh at this. I think I've mentioned it before. I'd say to Vicky, "Well, I'm going to pray now," and I'd wander down the hall and shut the door, get on my knees, and and oh, just dripping with self righteousness, just dripping with self righteousness. Now I get to pray. 
whenever I want, wherever I am, whether there's people around or there's not people around. You ever find yourself in a mall, you just start praying for people? <laughs> Lord, I don't want to send your people in here, but if there is, please send them the gospel. Send them the gospel, Lord, if it be your will. But look at these marvelous words. He shall save his people from what? Their sins. We're sinners. The scripture declares a sin. Whether one believes you're not, if someone says, well, I'm not a sinner, well, you're just deceived because we're all sinners. I had somebody one time tell me, I was witnessing to them, and they're like, well, there's no evil in this world. And I said, you're crazy. I just flat out told them that. Well, it was one of Vicky's aunt's boyfriends. Well, that didn't go over well in the family. But I'm not going to lie to the guy. He's, he's lying to me. I'm not going to say, well, yeah, you're right. No, I'm not going to do that. And I wasn't a preacher then. I was just, just a, just a born-again, blood-washed believer. And I, and I said, you're, you're crazy. There's evil everywhere. It's evident. And it's more in me than it is anywhere. Right? You'd say that too, right? You ever hear people in religion say, well, the devil made me do it? No, your flesh made you do it. Just stop. Just stop. Just. It's just, it's in us. Sin is in us. From the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, whether we believe it or not, we're all a bunch of sinners. And we need to be saved. We all have, we all have a desperate need. And that's to be saved from our sins. So let us consider who this is coming into the world? It's God himself. In the book of Micah, it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephraim, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. My. So there's another prophecy about the Messiah. He's from everlasting. He, here, here being held in Mary's hands is the Ancient of Days. You ever heard of a king giving his life for his peasants? Never, right? No earthly king. I not, I've not heard, and I like history, and I, I, I've never read in history where a king gives his life for peasants. Well, we're peasants, beloved. And the king of kings, the king of glory, gave his life for his people. My, oh, my. My, oh, my. Brother Tom, you were in the military. You don't very often see generals on the front line, right? They're usually in the back, in the, in the CO, right, or the headquarters, and they're, they got everybody else doing their work. And, and um, uh, those books I'm reading, there's, there's a Roman, this guy is in charge of the whole legion. He's in the front lines with his men and they respect him so much because usually the leaders would just sit back and watch on horseback while the men get out there and they're doing the main work Christ himself gave his life for me and if you're a believer for you the king the king of kings did that not just any ordinary man so as I said there was many births during that day but this birth was extraordinary God himself became a man to save his people from their sins and he came from Nazareth. Nazareth was a despised village. And at, at the age of 30, he entered into public, public ministry. He's on a divine mission. He's on a divine mission. 
And he completed it, and he's crowned with glorious success with his death on Calvary's cross, and he was raised for our justification. He was raised to show us that God is absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ in our place. Okay, we can't save ourselves, can we? We're sinners. From the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, the scripture says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth the things of God. There's none good. Right? So we're lost sinners in desperate need of Christ. Paul was out slaughtering Christians, killing them. And the Lord met him on the, the Damascus Road, knocked him right off his horse, didn't he? And he said, Saul, Saul. We're the body. And Paul was a chosen vessel of God. And look what he was doing before the Lord saved him. Murdering Christians. My. Some people say, well, you don't know my sins. Well, I know, I know God saved me, and that's amazing. And God saved Paul, who was a murderer, and, and God saved David, who was an adulterer. My, oh, my. That's incredible. You know what keeps us away from Christ? Our pride. Our pride. There's a parable, and the Lord sends... God sends these people, or the, somebody sends these messengers, and they keep, they keep killing them. And, or they keep turning them away. And finally, he sends his own son, and they murder his son. Well, the king sent messengers, didn't he? The prophets. Then he sent his son, and what happened? We murdered him. But it was all by God's divine decree. Think of that too. Why did Christ go to the cross? For my sin. Because of my sin. And if you're a believer, because of your sin. He was nailed to that cross, right? He gave himself for what? Our sins. And he did it willingly. See, I love what the scripture says when it says it's the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. Brother Jim and I were talking about that a couple weeks ago. You know, you can preach all the messages on hellfire, damnation, you know, and scare the, you know, scare folks to, to after death. And hell is real. And I think it should be mentioned. But it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the fact that he gave himself for me, for, for you, Brother Tom. That's what, that's what, it's the goodness of God. He did that for me? Not just me, but a, but a number that no man can number. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. That's why we say flee to Christ. He's the only hope for sinners. There's no other hope outside of Christ. None. I don't care what, what people call it or who the, who the, the person is or the, that they say you should follow. There is none other name given among men that man and woman should be saved except through Christ Jesus and him alone. Only through him. So here Christ grew to manhood. You know, he never traveled beyond the border of the small country where he was born. He never traveled beyond Israel. And yet there's been more books written about him. And scripture says that if you could 
write all the things that he did, the whole world couldn't contain all the books. Because he's the ancient of days. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. See, my Savior is not a, not a man. He's the God-man. The Redeemer I preach to you is the only Savior of sinners is the God-man. And again, he can save to the uttermost all who come to him. Someone says, well, my sin's too great. He can save to the uttermost all. Well, you don't know to the guttermost. He, he pulls us out of the gutter. He really does. We were not thinking of anything. Scripture says we drink sin like water. Oh, you reach down. You're mine. You're mine. I made you and I purchased you and now you're going to be with me forever. All because it pleases me to do that. My, what a Savior. Is it any wonder we praise His name? Oh. And think of this, He never invented anything and yet all the inventions date their patent patterns patents from the time of their birth AD BC he never owned anything and yet every man is eternally poor without him he was poor and yet he made many rich you know we're rich in Christ beloved we might not have much in this world but we're rich in Christ. We have all spiritual blessings in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? We're richer than Bill Gates. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. They look at me like, what are you talking about? I have all spiritual blessings in Christ. I'm a saved man. I'm redeemed, justified. One day I'll be glorified. I have all spiritual blessings in Christ. I'm sanctified in Christ. I'm redeemed in Christ. I'm justified in Christ. We're rich, beloved. But we were made rich by his poverty. Right? He, he left the glory of heaven to come to this world. He humbled himself. You see, it's the opposite of those health, wealth, prosperity preachers on TV, isn't it? Say, well, if you're not, if you're not wealthy or if you're not doing this, God's not blessing you. I'm not blessed by material things. I'm blessed by spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus my Lord. And I have more in Christ than I've ever had in my life or ever will have in my life. And God has saved my eternal soul. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing we can give in exchange for our soul. That's why salvation by Christ is so amazing. That's why, and remember, he was born to die. 
The birth of Christ was foretold by prophets. And he comes into this world at the exact time that God has ordained to save his people from their sins. And he accomplished it. He cried, it is finished. Like I said earlier in Sunday school, it's done. That means perfect in the Greek. There's nothing to be added to it. The work is perfect. That's why God said, this is my beloved son. I mentioned that in Sunday school. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's, he's pleased with Christ. Therefore, he's pleased with all who are in Christ. And how, how, how do we get in Christ? Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Given faith to believe on Christ. In that God-given faith, we exercise it. It's our faith, right? We exercise it, as I said last week. We exercise it. We trust Christ. There was a time when we never trusted Christ, didn't want to have nothing to do with him. Now he's everything. He's my all in all. My. And his, his birth was unique in its nature. Unique in its nature. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Do you know that God had prepared a body for Christ? In, in the book of Hebrews it says... Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So God prepared a body, right? He's conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. God prepared a body for Christ. Remember who he is. He's, he's the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, and he's going to become a man. And then he's going to go to heaven as someone he wasn't before. He's the God-man. Right now, he's in heaven, and he's the God-man. He's our mediator, beloved. You know, when I was Catholic, you used to have to go to the priest, right? And, you know, you, you, it always felt weird telling someone else my sins, another human being. It, I'll be honest, it's always felt weird. But, you know, you go in there, and you just tell them, you know. Of course, you wouldn't get into the real juicy things, right? You go, oh, I lied, and, and uh, you know, I swore at my mom, and, you know, and, and, and uh, she didn't hear me, which was good, you know. But... All these things. So you just tell, and then they tell you, "Well, go and go and say um, ten Hail Marys or whatever." It's just garbage. Just absolute garbage. And five Our Fathers. And then a man approached me a long time ago, and he said, "Wayne, why do you go to a priest and confess your sins?" And I said, "Well, I don't, because that's what I'm supposed to do according to the religion." And I wasn't even a practicing Catholic. You know, I was not at all. I probably haven't been in church in ten years. But still, you know, you hold on to that, right? Because that's, that's what... It, it, Catholicism is like a badge or like being part of a country or something. And he said, there's one mediator. The scripture says, he says, have you ever read in the scripture where it says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus? And, you know, here I was, a Catholic. I never read my Bible. I never read my Bible. Pfft, didn't have a clue. So when he asked me, I said, I don't know that's in there. He said, well, you ever read your Bible? I said, no. And I was honest with him. I said, no, I really haven't. He says, well, then how can you know about Christ without reading your Bible? Well, good question, right? Good question. So I went home and started reading. There's one mediator between God and man. There's only one. One mediator. That means that, that no other, nobody else is a mediator between God and man. There's nobody else. So people say, well, you need to follow this religion or you need to follow that religion. They're, they're, they're empty religions. There's only one mediator. 
God will only accept one mediator between God and man. And that's the man Christ Jesus. That's Emmanuel. And remember too, he became a man and now he's in glory as the God-man. He's the mediator between God and man. He who is our mediator is born of our bone and flesh of our flesh. It's absolutely amazing. Look here in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. It says, And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not. Now, you've heard me say this before. Those are two wonderful words, aren't they? Fear not. Don't be afraid. And God says to us in Christ, fear not. Don't fear my wrath. It's already being appeased. Don't fear my justice. Christ satisfied it in your place. Don't fear my law. It's been fulfilled by my son. Fear not. Fear not, believer. And he says, this angel says to these, these because you can imagine, okay, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. Could you imagine this? You're in, you're in pitch dark. It's pitch dark. And I'll tell you, when you get out in them fields, and there's, they didn't have lights like we have, right? So you get, it's pitch black. <laughs> and then when you can see the star canopy, just take your breath away, right? So probably there's like star canopy, unless it was a cloudy night. Just looking up, just dark, dark all around them. They're watching over their sheep, got their stash ready to, to bash a wolf if it comes along. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. They'd be like dead men, wouldn't they? Would we be scared? Oh yeah, we would be, wouldn't we? We'd be trembling. So here's the words, fear not. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, God's people are a people out of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, as Brother, Brother Brian read, and that's why I had you read that Galatians too. There's no, there's no national affinities. You know, you, you all are U.S., I'm Canadian. You know, the body of Christ comprises a people of all different nations, out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. So this is good news to the people of Christ, isn't it? It's good news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, look at this, a Savior. You know, you and I need a Savior. Whether we think we do or, or think we don't, we all need a Savior. Because we're sinners. And look at that. Here's, here's the good tidings here. Great joy. Good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is, what's his name? Christ the Lord. The only one Savior of sinners. Only one. Someone says, well, there's multiple ways to God. No, there's not. There's only one way to God, and that's Jesus Christ our Lord. Only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, everything else is just noise. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. Can you imagine? So you see this angel, they're probably just there, and all of a sudden, whoa, there's a whole bunch more angels. <laughs> Could you imagine when they were telling people a story? <laughs> They'd be like, what were you drinking that night? Right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, they weren't drinking nothing. <laughs> oh, and think of this: there was no announcement by the high priest of Israel, you know, that the Messiah was here. There was no announcement that the King of Kings is now born. The Messiah was born, and 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 the angel of the Lord let lowly shepherds know. Lowly shepherds. Common people. Do you know God's people are common people? Common folks. My. We can all attest to that, right? Just common folks. Oh, my. So we see the uniqueness of Christ's birth. And we've seen that the, the birth of Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament that he would, be, that he would come. And uh, lastly, I'd like us to look at and consider that the birth of Christ is unique in its purpose. It's unique in its purpose. So why was Christ born into this world? Why did the Ancient of Days clothe himself in humanity? Why did God himself become a man? Well, the purpose of the birth of Christ was different from the purpose of the, the birth of any other man or woman. Christ was born to die. We're born to live. He was born to die. Because he came, what? why? Well, because the, even the angel prophesied, he came to save his people from their sins. That was the whole reason he came to this world. Do you see how, do you see how it's the goodness of God that leads men and women to repentance? God came here to die for me. He gave his life for me. He became a man and then gave... See, God is spirit, right? He can't... You've heard me mention this many times. God's spirit. So spirit, God the spirit can't die. So God becomes a man that he might die in our room and place. Oh, my. So the whole purpose of the birth of Christ was that he was born to die as our substitute. He was born that the wrath of God might be poured out on him for my sins. I'm the one who committed the sins. He's perfect. He's spotless. And yet he came here to die in my room and place. So that wrath that was due me fell upon him that will never ever fall upon me. This old sinner will be praising his name forever. Oh my. I hope and pray it will be so for you one day. My, came to save his people from their sins. We can think of men who lived in this world. One man's born to rule. God makes him a king in this world. Another man's born a genius. Another man's born for some great purpose. We think of Moses leading the children of God out of the land of Egypt, out of Israel's bondage. Elijah's remembered as a prophet of God to call a sinful nation to repentance. David was a choice of God's choice to be king over Israel. Cyrus, a heathen ruler, was used 
was used by God to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem? Alexander. Alexander the Great. Another heathen king or heathen leader was used by God to spread the Greek language. You've heard me say this many times. He raised up Alexander. The Greek language, everywhere that empire went, all the way to India. Greek language. Then, then the Greeks fall and the Romans rise and they expand their empire even further and the underlying language for them is Greek and the gospel spreads like wildfire. All because of the planning and purpose of God. Lincoln's looked upon as the great emancipator of those who were slaves and he's looked at as the preserver of the union. But Christ was born for a greater work. He emancipated a number that no man can number. And he did it by his death. By the shedding of his blood. His mission to this earth was different from that of any other man. Jesus was born to die. And the purpose of the birth of all other men is to live. Live a little while, right? And the scripture, say, or the, the, some of the old confessions says that we're to glorify God. That's our purpose, is to glorify God. But eventually we're going to die. Our life's just like a vapor. We're here today, gone tomorrow. But Christ was born to die to obtain eternal salvation for we who are his people. And I'm going to close there. You know what I'm going to say, though? Hallelujah. Right? Oh, that's...